Welcome back to the Reach for Wellness podcast brought to you by Community Reach Center in Westminster, Colorado. I'm Alexandra, and we are so excited for today's episode because it's Mental Health Month! So May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we really wanted to make this episode informative and give you guys tangible ways to talk about and improve mental health in your lives. We have three different topics we're going to cover today, how to improve your mental health, how to support someone else who is struggling with their mental health, and how to reduce stigma surrounding mental health. I also have three guests with me today to talk about each topic, Vanessa, Tiffany, and Tracy. If you guys want to go around and introduce yourselves and your job titles and maybe why you're passionate about mental health. Sure. Uh, my name is Vanessa Alarcon, and I'm an outpatient therapist with Community Reach Center. And I'm passionate about mental health because it's a it's a tr- transformative way to improve total health, and it's one that's just so forgotten about all the time. So it's really fun to be a part of the um, professional mental health community. Yeah, Tiffany. Um, I'm Tiffany Johnson. I'm a school-based manager for um, our community-based school-based programs. And I'm passionate about mental health because I definitely agree with Vanessa that it's something that plays into our holistic health, our physical health, our just general well-being that's, that is often forgot about. And um, especially over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of stuff happening in my personal life that I think it comes in uh, really good handy for. So mm-hmm. I love working with kids and supporting their families. Awesome. And I'm Tracy Roberts. I'm the Community Health Improvement Coordinator for the City and County of Broomfield in the Public Health Department. And I'm passionate about mental health because I think that it's something we really need to teach and acknowledge at a young age because it's something that really applies to everyone throughout their life. Definitely. So with one in four people reporting struggling with anxiety or depression in the past year, let's get started with how you can improve your own mental health. I think a lot of times like mental health treatment can be just thought about as therapy or medication, but it's also setting boundaries, exercising, practicing mindfulness, challenging our negative thoughts, affirmations, breath work, asking for support, educating yourself on mental health, journaling, maybe eating a healthy meal, and self-care. And self-care has been a huge buzzword lately and it is so, so important, but Vanessa, do you want to tell us your thoughts about what self-care really means? Yeah, self-care is, um, you're right, it's definitely been a buzzword. I feel like I keep hearing it more and more, especially through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes um, how I see self-care in like commercials or social media, it seems like we're having to do something extra for ourselves. Like we have to go on this vacation or we have to go to the spa to feel really good. But what I feel like self-care really is, is having an awareness of what your needs are and only you really know what you need. And so it could be as simple as acknowledging, you know, I like listening to the news, but I get really stressed when it's the first thing I do every day. And so why don't I strategize with myself and my own needs and maybe listen to it on the way to work. And so it it can be definitely not just adding something to your life, but looking at what you're currently doing and how to strategize that for your personal health. Yeah. I, I think I used to always think yeah, self-care was like going to Target and buying a face mask and maybe some mm-hmm. bath salts. And like the reality is that doesn't fix everything. I mean, it relaxes you if you had a stressful day. But like you said, just being aware of what your needs really are and what you can do to improve your well-being. 
And even if it's just five minutes a day, dedicating time to do things that fill your cup is crucial. Like I didn't have a lot of time during my lunch today, but it's beautiful outside. And I went for a walk for 10 minutes and that just made the day so much better. And it just brings a new perspective really. Do you want to talk about what you do for self-care personally? Yeah, I definitely struggle, have struggled with trying to implement exercise because I think we can all find reasons why we can get so busy, but exercise has really transformed my holistic health in a way that I didn't anticipate. And so I've learned and I've gained that awareness that if I don't exercise in the morning, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and But it changes my mood and it changes... Um, like the rhythm of my day. And so that's definitely been the most impactful way that I've been able to care for myself in a holistic way. Yeah, endorphins are real. I mean, I've never, <laughs> like I hardly ever am excited to work out, but I just feel like a new person afterwards. And every time before I work out, I just remind myself of that because <laughs> it's definitely challenging at times. Um, for me, I, I like to watch friends if I'm feeling lazy and that's the kind of route I wanna go. But like you said, I go to peer bar classes for self-care, I like to go on walks or even just like playing with my puppy and seeing him excited just reminds me of, you know, life's not that serious. <laughs> Tiffany, what do you do for self-care? I'm a big proponent of baths. I don't get a lot of time by myself ever during the workday or um, even on the weekends. So that's like my 30 minutes mm-hmm. just being alone. Um, also eight months pregnant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you need that bath. The bath and then a big bowl of ice cream. Those Perfect. are like my my two go-tos right now. Tracy, do you want to talk about what you do for self-care? Sure. Um, I really like music, so music is definitely something that helps change my mood or my attitude. Um, I also like being outside, taking the dog for a walk. I have a toddler, so being outside Mm -hmm. gets busy sometimes. (laughs) Um, And then in addition to that, I'd say sometimes just a good reality TV show just makes you feel good about your life choices. (laughs) (laughs) I watched Are You the One recently, and I was like, wow, I'm doing well. (laughs) My life together. I'm pretty good about myself. (laughs) Um, So I want to talk about a quote I really liked recently that really resonated with me. True self-care is not just salt baths and chocolate cake. It's making that choice to build a life that you don't need to regularly escape from. And I read that and I was like, dang, I'm always overbooking my life because I'm trying to run away from like whatever it is I don't want to deal with. And that's just, that's not Mm self-care. And so Vanessa, what are your thoughts on how we can build that life that we don't need to regularly escape from? Yeah, I... Um, as I heard you listen to that quote, Noel, I was thinking about that chocolate and bubble bath part because sometimes that's some of the things that float around as common ways for um, self-care. Like Tiffany mentioned, that bubble bath. But the cool thing is that we can personalize it to ourselves, right? And so um, this escape from all the day-to-day things that we have to do um, through self-care, we can actually build on what we're needing specifically and um, and finding what works best for you. And the cool thing is that everyone can develop their own mm-hmm. self-plan. It's so accessible to everyone. We don't need to have that money to buy that big box of chocolates or all the coolest right. bath bombs that you can get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those things can be really hard. Like you said, it, it's a lot easier to just eat a, a candy bar than be like, wow, what do I really need? Like, how can I make better decisions that are gonna set me up for success? And for me lately, this has been like, setting hard boundaries and saying no to things more because I'm very much a yes person and that just wears you down and learning how to have difficult conversations but having them in an appropriate way because 
I always used to avoid conflict because it brought me so much anxiety. And now it's like, well, if I just tackle what's bothering me, my life is so much better. Um, next, I want to talk about why breathing exercises and positive affirmations are helpful from like a clinical perspective. So breathing exercises are helpful from a clinical perspective because it's telling the brain that it's time to relax. It's bringing oxygen into the whole body and your body, when you're tense, it, it um, automatically functions in a way that, um, you know, uh, you may tighten your chest or you may um, hyperventilate a little bit. And so it's, it's telling the body it's, it's time to calm down. And because it's something that you can do so voluntarily, we have the control in our bodies to really get ourselves to a calmer place. And self-affirmations are helpful because it gives us the intentionality to speak better to ourselves. Um, In therapy, sometimes when I work with people, um, when they start sharing their thoughts, sometimes they'll say, ooh, that sounded really bad. (laughs) And it's true. Like sometimes people start hearing the way they're talking about themselves and they realize that they're being pretty harsh on themselves. So if we know that uh, we're kind of without meaning to being pretty negative, including those self-affirmations just helps bring um, a different perspective that's a lot healthier Mm -hmm. for our mental health. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, you would never tell your roommate like, oh, you had a hard day. You didn't do your laundry. Like, what are you thinking? But like, Mm. you just, I tell myself that all the time and I think a really good way to look at that is talk to yourself the way you would talk to someone you really care about because mm-hmm. you should care about yourself. Absolutely. So closing this topic, what advice would you give to someone struggling with their mental health? Advice I would give would be to talk about it. Um, if that's with a mental health professional, if that's what you know you decide to do, that's great. But definitely just having someone to tell and creating a support network because we know what we're going through. And if no one really knows, Mm -hmm. then the first step, if you're struggling, is tell someone that you trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful because no one's going to read your mind, especially if you don't, you know, show a lot of signs that you're struggling. I think it's really important to have someone you can count on in your life. Yeah. All right. The next topic we're going to talk about is how to support someone else who is struggling with their mental health. It can be really hard to be a support person if you're unsure of what is helpful to say and what might actually be harmful to say. So let's start with what you should not say to someone when they're struggling and why it could be harmful. Well, I do think this could be different for every (laughs) person, but I think there are some classic ones like calm down, relax, it'll be fine, those kinds of things. Um, Some that particularly get me that may not affect someone else are like you wouldn't be given anything you can't handle. Is like a, almost like you're being punished for being a strong person. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't love that everything happens for a reason because it may or may not happen for a reason or it'll all work out because we don't know that. Yeah. We and can't predict the future. So Yeah. And especially if you've experienced trauma, like everything happens for a reason, like trying to find a reason for your trauma that's not healthy or something that you mm-hmm. should be thinking about it. Bad things don't need to happen for a reason. Exactly. It's really invalidating. Mm-hmm. So what should you say to someone when they're struggling? Like, what are helpful questions or listening cues or anything like that? I think just generally 
those nonverbal cues more so than words sometimes are more important um, or asking more questions about that specific situation. Um, how are you feeling? What's going on for you? Is there anything I can do to help you right now? Um, but most of the time someone's bringing this up to you because they want to share with you and if we give them those classic calm down and relax one-liners it really shuts them down mm -hmm. so it doesn't provide them the space and opportunity to just share what they're feeling and be who they are mm -hmm. so I think listening yeah is really listening is huge and I think a helpful one that people ask me sometimes if I'm venting or talking to them is like how can I help or like what do you need from me and then I'm like oh what what do I need from you like what can you do to help me because if I'm just going off for 20 minutes then that might not be <laughs> beneficial for either of <laughs> Um, so how could you encourage someone in your life to seek treatment if you think that might be beneficial for them? Um, I think just generally normalizing the fact that mental health supports are out there. I think the stigma has reduced quite a bit over the past few years, but it's definitely still there. So I think um, just straight up asking someone, hey, mm -hmm. would you be interested in ever talking to a professional or um, talking about your own experience with mental health and with a professional can be really validating and knowing that um, it's okay to do that and it's scary for a lot of people to seek help uh, but in the long run it's much better. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think you necessarily need a, a reason to seek help so with therapy it's like even if you just want to go for a few months to work on one small thing I mean that's totally fine too it doesn't have to be a lifelong commitment there doesn't have to be something wrong with you to go to therapy. Yeah absolutely. I kind of want to talk about venting and how to do it in a way that is more beneficial to you and the person that you want to vent to. So why do you think it's important to ask someone if they're in a good mental health space before we vent to them? Well, I don't think you, you never know what could be really triggering for someone or what their day is like or what they have going on in their life. So I think the best thing to do is just ask, mm -hmm. hey, are you in a good place where um, you'd be willing to listen, I had a rough day, or um, do you have a time we could schedule to connect, or something like that. I think in the long run, if you're calling someone to vent about something that's really intense and important to you, and they're not in a good place at that time, it could end up being just more damaging to you mm -hmm. in the long run and preventing you from wanting to share with that person um, or people in general. So I would recommend actually reaching out and asking straight up if they're willing to be that person for you and some people may not be and mm -hmm. that's okay yeah I mean I always want to be there for my friends but sometimes you know if I've had a really long day I might not be the best in the best space to even give them advice and like you said that might be even more harmful to them um so even like scheduling a time to talk I think is important or yeah just asking mm-hmm so toxic positivity is also a hot topic lately, and basically the definition of that is the belief that no matter how dire or difficult a situation is, people should maintain a positive mindset. It's a good vibes only approach to life, which sounds fun in theory. I wish life was like that, but it, it doesn't always work. Uh, do you want to talk about why that can be harmful? Yeah, I mean, it's not realistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's not genuine either to yourself or to the people that are around you. Uh, we joke about it a lot, like, um, just kind of in our school-based therapy world, like, it's fine, everything's fine, it's going to be fine. It's like, is it though? It's not, it's not fine, and it's okay if it's not fine. Mm -hmm. And how do you kind of hold in those things in those moments where it may be inappropriate to let them out, and then 
find a space later where you can let them out. Um, so I think it's okay to tell yourself, like, I'm not okay today. Today is a rough day, mm -hmm. and what do I need to sort of get through this day and then figure it out later and release it at a time where you feel safe. Mm -hmm. um, but I think not being genuine with your real feelings and what's really going on for you ultimately just leads you to compensate daily, day after day. And after a while, that's going to break down, and that can lead to more severe mental illness or physical mm -hmm. illness. And we need to just take care of ourselves and where we're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's it's okay if, like you said, today's not a good day. Every day isn't going to be good. If it was, then the good days wouldn't feel as good as they do. And, you know, a lot of the times if I'm really stressed out and I just accept it's not, today's just kind of a loss. Um, and I take care of myself and go to bed, and the next day I'm like, okay, I'm glad that I did that. Because mm -hmm. if I didn't, it just, like you said, it builds. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone who is struggling to support someone who is struggling? Yeah, I think this one hits home more for me a little bit. Um, both of my parents actually died this past year, and so my husband has been my support person, and I've definitely seen like the toll that it's taken on him to be that strong one all the time, right? Or feel like he, or feel like he has to be the strong one, even though he doesn't. But mm -hmm. um, I think that my advice to that person would be to just listen like there's this innate tendency to want to constantly help or fix the issue for the person because you love them and care about them and you want them to be happy and that sometimes is really overwhelming for that person mm -hmm. they just need a space where they can just go and just be themselves and it be allowable for them to be sad or upset or frustrated with whatever is going on for them um so I think that just listening and offering that support and just making it known that you're on their team is probably just the best thing that you could do. Um, I also think it's really hard for people to just initiate those conversations. So mm -hmm. asking questions, checking up on them, seeing how they're doing, um, and just knowing that it's hard for you too and that's okay, right? Yeah. Like not feeling like you have to just always be aware of their feelings, but also being aware of your own feelings because mm -hmm. classic therapist, you can't help someone else if you're not helping and taking right. care of yourself. So I think that would be my, my biggest advice. Yeah, I think listening is just such a huge thing. I always put so much pressure on myself if someone reaches out to me, like I have to give them the perfect advice. Like, let me think this text through. It's gonna be perfect. It's gonna save their day. Like, no, it's not. It's, and sometimes they just need to hear like, that sucks. Like, I'm really mm -hmm. sorry. I'm sorry that you're not having a good day. I hope it gets better. It doesn't have to be the, the perfect response. Sometimes people just need to be heard. Yeah, I think sometimes offering too much advice can make the person feel like they're not doing enough or mm -hmm. they should be doing more or doing things differently. Um, so sometimes just saying, oh, man, that's rough, you yeah. know, um, is way more validating. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it is if like, the perfect advice to me might not be the perfect advice to a friend. Like mm -hmm. what works for me might not work for them. They might be like, that's dumb. Totally. Not doing that. <laughs> yep. Okay, on to our final topic, how we can reduce stigma surrounding mental health. Tracy, do you think that mental health is a public health crisis? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, mental health is definitely not just an individual problem. It's something that impacts families, systems, and even communities. And I think even before the start of the pandemic, we knew that one in five Americans experienced a mental illness in any given year. So we know that mental health concerns have really only been enhanced by COVID-19. So I would categorize mental health as a public health crisis. 
there are a lot of root causes that are associated with poor mental health that stretch really far beyond how someone is feeling. So we know that social determinants of health, like education and someone's environment, race or ethnicity, and even socioeconomic status can play a role in the quality of someone's mental health, as well as their ability to uh, have connection in accessing services. So in addressing the crisis, we really need to further acknowledge the disparities and work together with our partners like CRC to make equitable and sustainable changes so that we can positively impact the mental health of all the individuals within our community. Great answer. Why do you think that stigma exists and do you think that it has decreased at all over the past few years? So that is a multifaceted question. <laughs> um, so stigma is the negative association to any particular circumstance or quality. And when we think about that from a mental or behavioral health perspective, it's typically combined with a lack of understanding or acknowledgement of what somebody else is experiencing. Um, and this goes along with substance use disorders and mental illness. So stigma is something that Broomfield has identified as a goal area for its behavioral health improvement plan that was followed by a community health needs assessment, which raised the prioritization of behavioral health within the community. So really, I think stigma is a very slow moving scale that has promise of moving in the right direction and has been. Um, the past year of living through the COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted the importance of mental health for all of us. So there are so many of us who've never previously acknowledged the fact that we have mental health or the normalcy that arose around having mental health concerns. And I think the pandemic has helped decrease the stigma around these challenges because it's just shown how prevalent and immediate that they became, uh, especially with our youth and senior populations. So considering the isolation, fear, and even anxiety that the pandemic has impacted for people for the first time really brought up the awareness and has helped to destigmatize these feelings, which unfortunately have become more commonplace in the community. Um, I think the advantages that have come up are telehealth, uh, crisis and warm line services, and community campaigns are all playing critical roles in supporting the prevalence of these feelings and the associated stigmas with those in the community. Awesome. I think promise, you hit it right on the head there is a great word to describe the the decrease of stigma over the last years. I think it's heading in the right direction and that it's sad that it took a global pandemic to really highlight that it needed to decrease. But I mean, if the pandemic is good for, for one thing, it's, it's stigma reduction and making those resources known, like you said, telehealth. And like you can, there are numbers you can call and just talk to someone one time and then hang up and never talk to them again if you want. So I think that's great. Do you want to talk about your Mental Health Month campaign that you guys have going at the City of Broomfield right now? I've seen it all over the place, and I just love it. It's given me goosebumps every time I've watched one of your videos. So That's awesome. I'm so glad. Yeah, so we're doing a campaign right now called Let's Talk About It. Um, it's intended to be a stigma reduction campaign that Broomfield Public Health has released for May as Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, it has 12 diverse stories with community members, there's youth and leaders, um, and it's all across Broomfield. They share their personal experiences with, a to with topics on suicide loss, substance use disorder, bipolar disorder, anxiety and depression, postpartum depression, struggles with access and care, and more. And so the stigma reduction campaign was based off of 
an extension of Let's Talk Colorado campaign that we promoted over the winter to encourage connectedness in a time of COVID. So in continuing these conversations and sharing stories, we intended to normalize the stories of those mental and behavioral health, we're calling them ambassadors, um, and really encourage these people to realize two things. The first, that they are not alone and that there are similar stories out there and to bring light to the stories that are not someone else's. Um, these people are really our neighbors. They're people that we work with. There are city council members that are part of these stories, leaders, and our hope is that by sharing them, people will see themselves or their loved ones and be able to start opening up to have conversations about mental health because of it. So we may not directly know if there's going to be a change in the bias or stigma towards a particular topic or it, um, but we'd like to bring this awareness and even council members seek clinical support for their mental and behavioral health and even positions of leadership within the county struggle to access care and need coping skills. So I don't think anyone personally or through lived experience of a loved one hasn't experienced the challenges of mental or behavioral health at one point in their life. And I think it really needs to be okay to talk about it. Yeah, I absolutely love your campaign. I know we've shared it on community reaches, social media, and it has received like a lot of positive feedback. Like this is such an important conversation or thank you for sharing. So know that it definitely is making a difference in the community. Where can people find the campaign if they want more information? Yeah, so all the campaign information as well as a community toolkit that can be used um, and all of the resources as well as a training cal calendar can be found at broomfield.org backslash let's talk about it. Awesome. So if someone listening wanted to become a mental health advocate, what would you say step one was to start reducing stigma? Um, if someone wants to be an advocate for mental health, my step one suggestion for them would be to start a conversation. Um, it's really impactful to share your story and feelings to others, but we also need to make sure, and just has already been said throughout the podcast, but we need to make sure that we listen because um, not everyone is comfortable with being vulnerable and that's okay. Um, but we have to be ready to hear and accept others when they come to us. So a great way to be ready for these campaign or for these conversations um, is to take a local mental health training. So for this month, Public Health has partnered with Community Reach and Mental Health Partners to offer free trainings for community members. And again, you can go to that broomfield.org slash let's talk about it for a list. Um, I also want to note that acknowledging that everyone is an expert in their own experience and that just because you or someone else may have had a similar it is what we're calling it, um, but those feelings and perspective of each person is valid and I think it's really crucial in understanding and having that destigmatizing label of someone else's struggles. Um, and then the third thing I would say for someone listening who wants to be an advocate is get involved in your community. There are a lot of options. There's a Youth for Youth with our uh, Communities That Care group. There's a library teen program. Um, NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, has family support groups through their program in Boulder. There's CRC services and there's a volunteering program in Broomfield. And so you can help stay connected with your peers through those similar interests and in, that have similar views as you. So it's a big community in this little county, no matter who you are. So just know that you're not alone. Awesome. Thank you all so much for being here with us today and providing so much insight to all of these topics. This has been great. 
Uh, if you're looking for a tangible way to support Mental Health Awareness Month, you can sign up for our Reach for Recovery 5K happening on June 5th. Virtual participation is an option as well if you don't live in the Denver area or you can't make it that day. For more info on that, visit communityreachcenter.org backslash events. Follow us on social media for more mental health resources and inspiration at Community Reach Center on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And our Twitter handle is at ComReachCenter with two M's. Until next time, I hope you keep reaching for wellness.